Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, January 28th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Boris Johnson is feeling the heat over Huawei and the UK's quest for a 5G mobile network. Sources tell the FT that Airbus is on the cusp of settling a bribery and corruption probe with three different regulators. And new information from a former member of the White House could prove to be crucial in the impeachment trial of President Donald Trump. But first, the fast-spreading coronavirus has brought several Chinese cities to a halt with strict travel restrictions. One of those cities is Wuhan, where the virus is believed to have started. Our own Tom Hancock is in Wuhan, unable to leave amid the lockdown. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. I went cycling around the city on Monday And bicycle is the only way that I can get around because most private cars have been banned from driving on the streets. And I also came across people who were finding it quite difficult to find some kinds of supplies. For example, I met a man in his 30s who had visited six shops trying to buy anti-pollution masks, which the government is encouraging people to wear. And also, as I was cycling around, I could hear quite loud birdsong on the streets, which is unusual for the middle of the day in a big Chinese city like Wuhan. Tom, how are Chinese cities reacting in light of the coronavirus? How is day-to-day life changing? Well, so far, the top priority for the Chinese government and the ruling Communist Party is stemming the virus above any economic goals at the moment. And that means that cities are extending their holiday periods Um, Already, we were in the middle of a week-long holiday for the Lunar New Year, and now cities such as Shanghai are saying that people won't be returning to work until February the 7th, more than a week after that holiday was originally meant to end. Here in Hubei province, where I am, people are expecting for a month or so to be staying at home, probably not doing much work. And obviously, in China, that's going to have a huge effect on both consumption, people will be going out less to cinemas and shopping less, and also production, because especially given that China is the world's largest manufacturer, it's clear that many factories will find it difficult to get staffing, certainly in early February and probably well into late February as well. And fears over the economic impact of the coronavirus spilled into global financial markets yesterday. European equities closed down, Oil prices fell sharply, and U.S. stocks had their worst day in months. The FT's Peter Wells has more. The big question for investors is what impact will the virus have on global growth? As it stands, you have analyst economists out there who've already been shaving down their expectations for GDP growth in major economies and you know around the world this year. This has now happened, and we're wondering which sectors and which countries will you know, feel the biggest pinch. One thing that a lot of people are starting to do now is look back to the SARS epidemic, which sprung up in 2003. And we know that in those countries around Asia, you saw the biggest impact on travel, on discretionary spending, you know, basically activities where people need to be out on the street and interacting. So on Monday in the US market, in European markets, you saw some reasonably decent sell-offs in some of the airline stocks. Even last week when some of these concerns around the virus were already starting to pop up, we had a number of the US airlines who were 
delivering their earnings. And some of the executives there had already brought that in and said, we're monitoring the situation very, very closely. Companies like General Motors, Renault, Nissan, they've already come out and they've been issuing instructions to their employees for limiting non-essential travel. And there's also the impact on technology companies, many of which have operations in China and around Asia. That could mean that they need to tell staff to stay away. That means they can't produce as many goods that will start winding their way through the supply and retail chain. Boris Johnson has to walk a fine line when it comes to Huawei. On the one hand, the UK Prime Minister is trying to manage a fast rollout of the latest mobile network technology. On the other, he's facing national security concerns about using a Chinese telecoms equipment company to make it happen. These concerns have come from Parliament, including MPs in his own party. The Trump administration and U.S. lawmakers have also rang the alarm bell. But today, Mr. Johnson's National Security Council is expected to grant Huawei a restricted role in providing equipment for the U.K.'s 5G data infrastructure. Mr. Johnson has hinted that he would follow advice from British officials by giving Huawei a role in supplying non-core elements of the 5G network. And just to get some vocabulary out of the way, the core parts of a network are the servers and systems where customer information is processed. Non-core elements include antennas and base stations that sit on masts and rooftops. Mr. Johnson is also expected to impose a market share cap on Huawei. It's an attempt to reassure the U.S. that Britain does not want to become reliant on Chinese technology. The U.S. has warned that the Chinese government could ask or even demand that Huawei spy on the U.K. government on behalf of the state. Huawei has consistently said it is a private company and not subject to state interference. Airbus has been under investigation by regulators in the UK, France, and the US for nearly four years. Now the European Aerospace and Defense Group is on the brink of settling the probe. In 2016, Britain's Serious Fraud Office, or the SFO, opened a criminal investigation into allegations of fraud, bribery, and corruption in the manufacturer's passenger jet business. It came after the company said it had uncovered discrepancies in disclosures about third-party consultants used in certain aircraft deals. A year later, the French regulator joined the probe, and then in 2018, the U.S. Department of Justice opened its own investigation into the alleged corruption. People familiar with the matter told the FT that a settlement deal is expected in the coming days. Analysts are forecasting fines of more than 3 billion euros. And on Sunday, it came to light that Donald Trump's former national security advisor had information relevant to the Senate impeachment trial. In his forthcoming book, John Bolton reportedly says that Mr. Trump demanded a freeze on military assistance to Ukraine until it agreed to investigate the president's political rival, Joe Biden. The FT's Courtney Weaver explains what this information means for the case against Mr. Trump. We learned that the White House had a copy of John Bolton's manuscript since December. So this is really royal Republicans on Capitol Hill. You know, here we are. Monday was day two of Trump's legal team representing their defense in the Senate impeachment trial. We expected to kind of have a lackluster day. And here we have this report that Bolton knew about this and had direct knowledge of this. And it's coming at a time when already Senate Republicans are under pressure to vote to allow additional witnesses to testify in the trial. So this will just raise pressure further. Right. And how are the more moderate Republicans reacting to this news, those whose vote could swing some of the outcomes of the trial? 
So, so far we've heard from Mitt Romney and Susan Collins, who hail from Utah and Maine, respectively. And both of them had kind of made some statements that they were considering hearing from additional witnesses earlier. They indicated that they were leaning in that direction. And what's more, Romney said he expected other Republicans to join him. And Courtney, what can we expect next in the trial? So we're expecting one more day of President Trump's defense team presenting before the Senate. And then I think we're going to see this vote on additional witnesses. So we had Democrats force this vote last week, you know, asking for additional witnesses. And Republicans like Romney and Collins said, no, we want to hear the opening arguments first. So both the prosecution and Trump's defense have had a chance to present their cases. And now we see what comes next. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. Today, we'll be keeping an eye on Apple's first quarter earnings. Shares have soared almost a third since the iPhone maker's last earnings, and analysts have high expectations for its services and wearables business. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. 